0: searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, where prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bette Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by by Bent River Sports, a Friday show for you, a little bonus episode. Gil Alexander, host of A Numbers Game, will join us. We'll talk NL East Race, MLB Awards, and we'll get into some tennis, some U.S. Open picks. He is great with tennis, so he's going to give us some long-shot futures to look for in the U.S. Open. But we start with baseball here as uh, DeGrom w- was just brilliant for the Mets. And, boy, not to, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but Mets scored first and win was minus 157, which, look, it was juiced. But that was a winner. And told you, Yanks, Mets, and Vanderbilt Moneyline Parlay. So that's still open if you took that. And that would be like 12, 13 in a row. We haven't given out a losing pick on this show in over two weeks. So hopefully you've been following along. The picks have been good. As far as tonight, both big favorites. It is Cole against J.P. Sears, who the Yankees just traded away. He actually pitched pretty well for the Yankees. Out of the bullpen, some spot starts. He went in the Montas deal. It's going to be Cole, minus 220. Total is 7. Mets, big favorites again, not quite as big as last night when they were minus 440. And, again, the ground was just incredible. He did give up a run, but some of those pitches, some of those sliders he threw early in the game were just unbelievable. 93, 94 mile hour sliders with a ton of late bite. But tonight it is going to be Bassett going for Colorado. Mets, minus 330, total 7.5. Laying either of those prices individually, not interested, but if you parlay the Yankees and Mets to win, so both of them just have to win, it is minus one twenty five. That's reasonable. So that's gonna be the play. Yankees parlay with the Mets. Keep it simple. I think both teams will win. And uh quickly here the Yankees, because the Mets are more of the story, the Mets are in a pennant race. The Yankees have quietly gone on a four game winning streak, put some of these fears to bed in terms of blowing the division, although Toronto keeps winning, Toronto keeps beating up on Boston, who's done and out of the race. And Boston actually had bases loaded, nobody out, bottom of the ninth in a tie game last night. And Boston in Toronto got a strikeout and then a ground ball double play to Chapman and then, then won it uh, in extra innings, sort of similar to the night before where Boston had second and third, one out in the bottom of the eighth. Toronto got out of it and then won it. And so Toronto keeps winning, but the Yankees are in good shape here. The Yankees are in good shape. You just keep uh, pairing off games. And like I said, eventually you get this thing down to 30. You look up, you're still up 7 or 8. And it just becomes about a magic number. And uh, the math becomes very difficult for Toronto or Tampa to even get this within 3 or 4 and make this uncomfortable with the Yankees. So the Yankees are in good shape. Yankees are going to win the division. I expect the Yankees to win tonight. The Mets hold serve. They're now back up to a full two-game lead on Atlanta. And we went through the schedule the other day, yesterday, and it's just, it's very easy. And the number we came up with, I think it was 26 and 11. That gets you to 105. We gave you three out of four against Colorado. Maybe lose. And we were even, kind, I was even kind of not tough on them, but I said three tough series against the Dodgers, the Braves, the Brewers. I had the Mets losing two out of three in all three. And I still got them to 26 and 11 and 105 wins. It's just a very soft schedule. So I would expect them to win at least two out of these three remaining against Colorado. That would give them three out of four. Wouldn't be shocked if they won all four, won all three the rest of the weekend. And who knows? Maybe you win all the all three of these games against Colorado, and, and this is, sounds unreasonable, unfathomable. Maybe Atlanta loses a series. Maybe Atlanta, who plays St. Louis and Strider's on the mound tonight against Quintana. Strider's a minus 148 favorite. I like Atlanta tonight. But who knows? Maybe Strider gets beat. Maybe Atlanta loses two out of three. You win all three against Colorado. It's back up to four. And you get some distance between you and the Braves. You get some breathing room. So it's not impossible. The Braves at some point are due to lose. I know that's sort of uh, sort of faulty logic. But my goodness, they can't play 850, 900% baseball forever, which is what they've done here for a while. They've been incredible. Really, from June 1st on, they have just been an unbelievable baseball team on the level of really just like the Dodgers are doing, where they just win 4 out of 5, 9 out of every 10 games. It's incredible. But maybe, you know, tough opponent this week on the road maybe we get a situation here where st louis can help see i would think st louis at least gets one game st louis gets at least one game and the mets drop no more than one game so i think at worst by the time we come back on monday the mets are still up two who knows maybe they're up three i think asking to be up four is is not unreasonable because you do have the schedule advantage this weekend i mean four is obviously sort of the best case scenario i don't think atlanta's getting swept this weekend but I think the Mets at the very least will hold serve and will be up two games after this weekend. Decent chance they're up three, and you take it from there. So, going to be fun. Going to be good baseball. Going to be scoreboard watching. Mets ha- have an easy opponent. Colorado is not good. Colorado is not good away from home. So, Mets should be able to have a very nice weekend here against Colorado. I would expect them to win tonight with Bassett, and then we'll see here uh, in terms of the rest of the week and. After this, you get the Dodgers, and then it really gets soft. After this, the schedule gets really, really easy once you clear the Dodgers games next week. So, the Mets minus 265 now to win the division. Braves plus 200. Yesterday, it was plus 250. So, the Mets winning, it still goes down. Sometimes these division markets are, are slow to move. You can get some stay in line. So, uh, if let's say the the braves lose and the mets win and they just leave the line there you get a chance to jump on the mets not that i'm saying you should jump on the mets now because i think you missed the best prices but sometimes with the division bets uh you find some good value just because they're slow to update them slow to move and i thought braves plus 250 was a was a decent price yesterday plus 200 not in love with that so uh that's probably properly priced there in the nl east as the mets still the favorites we still have this song and dance of You know, the Braves get a little closer. Mets get some distance. Once the Mets get some distance, the Braves get a little closer again. So should be a good race. Yankees are in good shape. Mets are in good shape. Should be a fun week of baseball. Uh, Coming up next, though, it is Gil Alexander of a numbers game. Talked to him right before the Mets game last night. So some of the stuff, uh, you might hear him just reference the Mets record and stuff. We did talk right before the Mets game last night. But he's got some great insights in terms of the U.S. Open, the awards in MLB, the NL East race, a couple of long shots that you're going to want to hear about. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. Kick off football season with BetRivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, BetRivers is your go-to sportsbook for all football-related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, BetRivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and back your favorite players with BetRivers. It's a whole new game. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast Bet River Sportsbook making his debut from VEASAN, the host of a numbers game, the Beating the Book podcast. It is the great, and I mean great, Gil Alexander-Gil, Thank you so much for coming on. What took me so long for me to invite you?
1: You know, I'm so glad you phrased it that way, Will, because this is some. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Is that allowed? No? I think no? so.
0: I, yeah, if it's too that egregious, some, I think we edit it out. Edison. Shit is what that is. Okay. How did it take this long? Huh? How? What we do? Well, for a while, you were doing two shows, and it would have just been mean for me to ask you to do more. I mean, I, you'd be talking I'll, in your sleep pretty much. I'll accept the excuse. I'll accept it. Uh, So we'll do tennis. We'll start with baseball, though. The Mets and the Braves, it might be the only division race we get as the Central races are starting to expand here. Uh, Mets, Braves, who wins the division? How many wins does it take to win this division?
1: Um, Excellent question. By the way, I I do think it's interesting that we have now written off the AL Central right as a bona fide race. Um, Four-game lead for the Guardians over both the uh, White Sox and the Twinkies.
0: Uh, I think we're just looking for a reason to, to write it off because nobody cares about those teams.
1: Nobody cares. It's, re- it's really fast. You, I think you said this on the air on a numbers game, which is what's been so amazing about this race is how little movement there's been. I get it. It was the Twins on top and the Guardians now. But generally, these teams have been within two, two and a half games like the entire season. The entire season is amazing. And it's, and it's such a testament to the mediocrity of all, I think. Um, but to your question, to your question, uh, your your listeners are not going to like me. I, I I think the Atlanta Braves are going to win the division. I really do. Um, first of all, let me just let me just say this about about the Braves. How rare is it that a that a World Series champion then adds not one not two but what appears now to be three unbelievable rookie players? Um, this was heading into the week. Spencer Strider, twenty six games, fifteen. Starts seven and four, 2.95 ERA, 102 thirds innings, 13.5 Ks per nine. Michael Harris, the second, and he's done damage since then. But I'm just giving you the stats entering Monday 76 games, 283, 12 homers, 15 stolen bases, 813 OPS. And Vaughn Grissom, good God, at that point, 12 games, 395, three homers, nine ribbies, 1.121 OPS. Um, I feel like I have sort of not talked enough about the Braves the whole year. I do think the the difference could be, if I would just put, sort of swing it back to the Mets, the difference could be how many, can they get that one or two extra deGrom starts in? Because that could be the difference, if I am to concede on that. And it, it's not clear what they're doing with him in between starts rest-wise. I think we had a four, four, and a five, if I'm not mistaken, um, with Day's rest in between. But right now it's a one-and-a-half game lead. You have... Uh, you know what is that? That's 37 games left for the uh, Mets. It is 38, excuse me, 36 games left for the Braves. I don't know, man. If I'm if I'm a betting man, and will I am, <laughs> um, I would take the Braves even at this price right now, plus two fifty or somewhere in that pocket that we're seeing right now. That's not to say that the Mets haven't been a great baseball team, but I just think the Braves are are a juggernaut right now.
0: I would say the Braves, betting-wise, the Braves is the play, plus 250 here at Bet Rivers right there with them. They get the three games in Atlanta. But I went through the Mets' schedule series by series and just sort of did the old sports talk radio, how many games are they going to win this series, three out of four against Colorado, two out of three against the Cubs. I kind of conservatively got to 26-11. and They get the National six. They get the Cubs a bunch. They get the Pirates, seven. The Marlins have some pitching, but they have – a really easy schedule i would think they could get to 26 and 11 that would put them and we're recording this right before the thursday night game uh, rockies mets we're recording right before that would put them at 105 atlanta would have to go 28 and 8 to get to 106 and remember The tiebreaker now is just head-to-head record. Yes. And as long as the Mets win one in Atlanta, they will own that tiebreaker. So that's going to be tough to win 106. And I'll say this, whoever comes in second, man, that's a tough break. 103, 104, maybe 105 wins to come in second. That is a tough one.
1: It is tough. It is tough. By the way, just to quantify what you're saying, 30 Major League Baseball clubs, the Mets have the single easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. 446 collective, or uh, excuse me, aggregate uh, winning percentage of their remaining opponents. Three against the Dodgers, three against the Braves, three against the Brewers, and that's kind of it. But Atlanta is still bottom third in terms of uh, hardest schedule. So they're the 10th they're the easiest schedule remaining. Uh, with Atlanta, it's three against the Mets, but they do have three Cardinals, three Mariners, if we are looking at playoff teams, interleague, and then seven against the Phillies. So that's, uh, you, to your point, that's a bit of a differentiator. Um, So the Mets have it lined up nicely. The tiebreaker is a great point. And you made this point before I heard anybody else make it, which is if you're the one, two in the wild card, um, you're the one, two in the wild card, you end up playing the number one seed. Is that correct? Let me get that right. Yeah.
0: Yes. Because the three, six plays the two. Three, six plays the two. Sort of like the NBA playoffs where they don't reseed. It's not like the NFL playoffs where if you're the bottom seed and you win, you automatically play the one. It's just sort of bracketed, and they leave it alone.
1: So, you know, in that respect, in that respect, being the one carries a whole lot of weight when you go further down the road, right? That's the real thing. Like, can anybody, could anybody catch the Dodgers? It does not appear that that's going to be the case. Um, So, we could see the uh, the Braves and the Mets very quickly either way in the uh, postseason, I guess, round two.
0: Who do you think they pitch game one of the playoffs? The Mets. How do you think they order it? It's
1: a great question. Doesn't Degrom defer at this point? Do you think?
0: Meaning they, they pitch him? Just no, no, they don't pitch okay. him. Okay, I was thinking Scherzer. Just because you can bring Scherzer back, three days rest out of the bullpen, that would be the question too. Like if you're facing elimination, you're down two games to one. Are you going to pitch Degrom on three days rest? Are you going to bring him out of the bullpen facing elimination? He's been very conservative here in terms of, hey, I'm going to be a free agent. I'm careful about my next contract. That'll be interesting to see how they, they handle DeGrom and pushing the limit.
1: Well, what you know, the, the big part we're saying, okay, being the number one seed means the most because you get to avoid the Braves or Mets, right, in a uh, in a second round game. I guess we're calling it second round. Um, yeah. Uh, AL, uh, Excuse me, NLDS, let's call it, just to be uh, clear about it. Not the wild card round. But the real issue is what you're talking about, right? If you end up, if you're the Mets this applies to any team, but specifically for the Mets since their starting rotation is so great. If they end up as a wild card, then you sort of lose that ability to plan accordingly for the division series, right? With starting pitching as well. You you possibly lose the perfect order of rotation. So that's, I mean, that's the real incentive as well. in just, you know, beyond just winning your division.
0: Last one before we get to the tennis. Uh, any of these major awards, MVP or Cy Young, we have four pretty clear-cut favorites. Any one of the four that doesn't win it
1: yeah I think the NL NL Cy Young is very much up for debate like I I really think that this this Gonsolin thing is pretty interesting uh when he was 11 and 0 I was on the radio talking about and and I'm an analytics guy but I was like okay I get it when Felix won the Cy Young early part of the last decade it was like okay analytics finally won people get it, award uh, voters get it, that win-loss doesn't mean anything. But 11-0, and we said this with Flaherty, Jack Flaherty last year when he started the season, gangbusters and win-loss. At some point, your win-loss record does kind of leap off the page. And Gonzalez is 16-1. and By the way, he also is like number one in ERA, number one in WIP uh, in the National League as well, even though his advanced stats yeah. signify that he's getting the best of everything, right? He's living For sure. super fortunate. But okay, there's no guarantee that that's going to regress before the end of the season. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Let's say it doesn't. 18 and one, the most wins ever to end a season with just one loss, is 18 and one. Roy Face, Pittsburgh Pirates, 1959. I know you remember that. Um of The most with two losses is Greg Maddux going 19 and two. Last year, though, <laughs> this is where so already you're like, wow, that's unbelievable. So Tony Console could be like making history. But last year, his teammate Julio Arias was 20-3, and and he didn't even sniff the award, Tim. So, like, on the one hand, I would say I can still see Gonsolin winning. And by the way, it's like plus 450 now on Gonsolin. It's really crashing. On the other hand, thinking would have to change on win-loss. I really do believe that.
0: Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Goldschmidt's just buried everybody's MVP tickets. I was looking at maybe Bet Riley or Al- Alonzo, but it's just it's gonna be Goldschmidt. It looks like.
1: Let me ask you about Goldschmidt. He he leads the NL in uh, batting average by nine points heading into today. He's down in homers to Schwarber by three, and he's a couple ribbies behind Alonzo, two, li- literally two RBI behind. Him. What would you? What price would you need for Goldschmidt to win a triple crown? They made a prop.
0: Do they have it out there?
1: No, they have a Pujols prop, like where he lands at homers. They have a Judge prop, him to get to 62. But no one's put out the Goldschmidt.
0: Where, where? Where? Give me a quick rundown of them again, so I can really think about it. Up nine points in batting average. Okay.
1: Down three homers to Schwarber. I think he might be tied for a second. Down three homers for Schwarber, but don't hold me to that. But it is three. Down two RBI to Pete Alonso, and you basically have a quarter, a little shy of a quarter of the season left. And Arizona, excuse me, not Arizona. So I'm still with him at the Diamondbacks. And the Cardinals, of course, get to play all of those crappy teams in the Central, right, over and over and over again, right? They have, like... You know, nine more against the Pirates, eight more against the Reds. I mean, that's damn near half their remaining schedule right there, those two teams. So just a bunch of gas can pitchers, not to mention four against the Nationals and three against the Cubs. What's that? That is that is 24 of the remaining 37
0: games against those four teams. So it's, I don't know, four, four or five to one? Would that tempt you or you need more? The problem is the homers, right? Like Schwarber,
1: three up, but he's
0: hurt, right? He's Obviously, all- the homers and the RBIs are correlated. If you're going to catch him in the homers, it gives you a better chance to catch him in the RBIs. It's, yeah, the homers are tough.
1: It's an interesting question. I think I, at five to one, I probably wouldn't bite, but if you gave me seven or eight to one, I would.
0: We might be the only two people that care about it. I remember growing up watching baseball, let's say 1994, 95, this would be like the biggest story on SportsCenter every day. Dude. Now nobody cares. Nobody Dude, cares. Can I tell you something?
1: So this was a big deal in 2012. So in 2012, Miguel Cabrera and Mike Trout were back and forth. Like the old school, Cabrera had the, had the Triple Crown stats going. Uh, Mike Trout had all the advanced metrics going. Advanced metrics weren't like super well known by many at that point. There was a community that knew them, but it wasn't like it was widespread. Certainly the mainstream media wouldn't talk about it. But at that point, it had been 45 years since somebody had won the Triple Crown, Carl Yastrzemski, 1967, in the American League so my point because when we're doing mvp back then my point was i'm with you new school analytics people i get why mike trout is probably the better baseball player but you cannot talk about uh, uh, something like the triple crown for 45 years is this amazing thing that has never been done in 45 years and then all of a sudden somebody does it and you're like ah he's not the mvp let's go with the new stats so they gave yeah. it to him that year, thankfully. And I was like, next year, 2013, then when someone's already done it, you can mm-hmm. talk about it again. But here we are now. What has it been? It's 10 years later. It's amazing. It's, about, it's pretty close to getting. I mean, people don't do this.
0: And again, nobody's talking about it. I remember John Roward was chasing 400. I think that was the strike year, right? And that was like the biggest thing. Where And now it's just man, these baseball stories just kind of go by the wayside. But let's get some tennis. You are already. Right.
1: That's what I love about baseball. I'm sorry, one last line. That's what I love about baseball. I love it when Jacob DeGrom goes on a mound. And like every night he does, there's there's the possibility of him doing something historically spectacular. I don't feel like with all of these changes with rules in baseball, whether it's the Ghost Man, whether it's Universal DH, whether whatever, the, the worst was the seven inning double headers, right? That kind of thing. I don't feel, I feel like baseball people in their haste to try to get young people to like the game or people who don't like baseball, Oh, we'll do this and they'll come to us. You forgotten about the, the people who actually love baseball, what we love about it and the traditions are. And if you don't grow your game, listen, you're not going to get some 17 year old to like it by having two, seven inning doubleheaders. I get we're not doing that anymore, but I hope
0: yeah, I'm make- no- you know. No, 100%. Yeah, in the, in the history and the records. I just saw today, this date, 2011, the Yankees, which I vaguely remembered. I don't remember. They hit three Grand Slams in the same inning, which that record will not be broken. Never, That's unbelievable. I don't remember that. Uh, against Oakland, they won 22-9. to nine. But uh, let's get to tennis. This is, uh, this is sort of your wheelhouse. Uh, we'll start with the men. Medvedev, the defending champion, he won it last year, plus 400 he was last year. He only lost one set. He defeated Djokovic in straight sets in the finals. He is the plus 210 short shot. Just your initial takeaways here from the draw in terms of the men's side. Well, the big story,
1: of course, for those who missed it, is that Novak Djokovic is not playing. He did not get vaccinated, famously. Was deported before the Australian Open. Actually got to Australia and was deported. At least here, he didn't have that indignity of coming here and then getting deported. But hey, rules are rules. He didn't get vaccinated at all, so he's not allowed to play for the CDC so Medvedev to to answer your question about the draw now even without Djokovic Medvedev doesn't have it all that easy like the big thing that when I look big picture at this draw Q1 Q2 Q3 men's side are very different from Q4 and what I mean by that is Q1 quarter number one Medvedev has Kyrios in there he has Felix Ogier alias He has Pablo Carreña Busta, who just won a tournament on hard courts and at his best is phenomenal. And he's got some tricky players like Alex Diminar and Ben Shelton, a young American up and coming player. That's, listen, he's still the favorite to win that quarter and to win the tournament, but that's like, that's kind of tough. Q2 and q well, Q2 is the most free for all of all of them. It's the Tsitsipas, it's the Stefanos Tsitsipas quarter. But, Will, Berrettini's in there, Matteo uh, Berrettini, Casper Rude, uh, Taylor Fritz, Sebastian Corda, Tommy Paul, Maxine Cressy. That's tough. It's the bottom half where I think the news is, which is Q3, first of all. Very, very few good names, but I just did a podcast, my own podcast, the Beating the Book podcast with uh, Drew Dinsick. Um, and without talking to each other, we came up with the only four guys that should be in the... The, the final four of that quarter. Urkacz, Yannick Sinner, Hubert Urkacz, Yannick Sinner, Marin Cilic, and Carlitos, uh, Carlos Alcaraz. q Q4 is where Rafael Nadal is. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, Will, which I know, I think you are. I'm not sure, are you?
0: Depends uh, on the conspiracy.
1: All right, well, how about this conspiracy? That the U.S. Open draw makers, I don't believe that's a technical term, but those who made the draw here are keenly aware that this is going to perhaps be Rafa Nadal's last U.S. Open, and when we get to the ladies' side, will absolutely be Serena Williams' last U.S. Open. So this draw just worked out spectacularly for both of them. What do you know? What a coincidence. Nadal's quarter at the bottom, Q4? I mean, Rublev, Cam Nori, Shapovalov, Isner, Tiafoe. but I'm just like, I'm just reaching. Rafa Nadal should be the biggest favorite, and I believe he is the biggest favorite, in any of the men's quarter.
0: Anyone worth taking a shot at in terms of just to win the whole thing?
1: So the of the bets I have in pocket, and I have more futures plays in this, in this tournament than I have in any other this year for sure. Um, the only one I have in pocket on the men's side was Nick Kyrgios. Because I got him at a stray number at a thirty to one that was in town here, but Kyrgios is in that Medvedev quarter, so that's a tough, tough, you know, sort of path for him. If I were, if you were saying to me, make one men's bet right now, I think you have to. I don't know what the price is on Nadal in that qu- in that fourth quarter because I've been doing podcasts all day, so I haven't seen who's got quarter prices out now. But Nadal should be a big favorite to win that quarter. And I would say in Q3, if I'm making a bet right now, probably the way to go for me is that's the one where it's Orcott, Sinner, Chilich, and, and Carlitos Alcaraz. There's nobody else besides one of those four that's going to win that quarter. So I would, I would lean towards. I, I would have to see the prices, but I think I I lean on Alcaraz's performance in the spring on hard courts. And I sort of say to myself, whatever's been going on since that hasn't been as good. Maybe it's a concentration issue for a young guy like him. He's the guy I would bet right now.
0: Alcaraz five to one right now. Um, and again, we haven't had defense, we haven't had back-to-back championships, uh, back-to-back champions since 07-08, I believe, with Federer winning it back-to-back years. Forget the odds for a second. Who do you think wins?
1: I think Carlos Alcaraz. I- I'm gonna go Carlos okay. Alcaraz. I just, have, I just have a feeling, but Nadal has the easiest path. And Alcaraz would theoretically meet Nadal in the semis. So I would say the winner of that match.
0: The lady side, Radicanu won it last year, 150 to 1, defeating Leila Fernandez, who is 200 to 1, uh, which is just hard to believe. Uh, Iga, obviously the short shot here, she is plus 375. Same sort of question. Initial takeaways from the draw.
1: I have so many, man. So many. So first of all, there's a people should know there's a bit of a controversy on the ladies side. So the US Open has always used different tennis balls. I always want to throw tennis before that word, uh you know. they use different tennis balls on the ladies' side than they do on the men's side. The difference this year is they started using those different they're both they're both Wilson tennis balls. But I think the men use deluxe and the women use regular. Don't hold me to that, but there's a difference. And these balls, that the, the, the tennis balls that the women's side uses are harder to control. And so you have players like number one in the world, Iga Sviatek, Paula Bedosa, and Jesse Pagula. Those are three top ten ladies' players who all hate this tennis ball. And so um, the fact that they've been vocal about it because it's not only just been this tournament, it's been the entire hardcore season is a pretty fascinating thing and again just full disclosure what do i have in pocket i have an eager ticket to win the u.s open at seven to one i have it because the night that ash barty retired i made that bet there's no seven to ones out there um i have and i've made these recently beatrice haddad maya 50 to one to win the whole tournament a uh, really good hardcore player and then Wen Zheng, a young 19 year old chinese player uh, at 55 to one now here's the deal because I'm going to get to the point of it. I'm going to get to the question of if I was just landing on this now, though, who would I bet? Cause you can still get certain players at good prices, but the draw has made this a little more complicated because in Q1, Iga ends up in a draw with Ken Wen Zhang, who I just talked about, who by the way has to play Yelena Ostapenko in the first round, which is no uh, cakewalk. Amanda Nisimova, Bernarda Pera, who's been great on hard courts, Jesse Pagula, uh, Clara Towson, Garbina Muguruza, who's, who hasn't been playing all that well. But anyway, what I'm saying is it's a pretty competitive quarter, and I think Sviatek and Zhang meet in the quarterfinals. Q2 and Q3 are ridiculously difficult. Q2, Badosa, Victoria Azarenka, Belinda Bencic, Emma Kano, the defending champ who you just mentioned, Naomi Osaka, Arena Sabalenka. Brutal, brutal, brutal draw. Q3, Halep, Keys, Maddie Keyes has been playing well. Camila Georgie, who are at her best, is great. Coco Gauff, who may very well be a sneaky bet right here. Haddad Maya, Bianca Andreescu, who won this tournament in 2019. Caroline Garcia, who just won a hardcore tournament. I don't even need to mention Maria Sakari. I don't even think she's a contender, and that should tell people how good of a quarter this is. And then there is back to the Rafa Nadal thing. And then there's Q4, which, what do you know? There's Serena. <laughs> and if I'm... If I'm putting like an over-under on how many Serena wins, I'd still say one and a half because she should be able to get by uh, Kovinic, Daria Kovinic in the first round. Then she would theoretically play Annette Contivate. She might, like this is what the U.S. Open people are hoping for, an upset of Contivate. Contivate is not in her best form. If Serena can do that, Serena may get through the whole first week. And if they get that out of this tournament, they are going to be doing somersaults. I don't know if it's going to happen, but one and a half is where I would put that number. So, all those bets—the three bets that I have—I don't know that I'd make them right now. If I made a bet right now, Will, I would go to Q four, that, that easy, the easiest of all those quarters, and I would take a long shot bet on—and this will be a name that uh, most of your listeners probably don't know—Ludmila Samsonova. Ludmila Samsonova is a player with great hard court numbers, who, when Iga Swiatek was on her thirty-seven match win streak. She was the only player that was able to get a set offer. Um, so I'll go Samson Nova as a quarter four bet right now.
0: I know Keys has been a popular one as a sleeper. She's played a little – she's played uh, pretty well lately. Would you buy Keys at all or no, no, not really?
1: It's just such a tough draw, man. She. I mean, again, Simona Halep, Coco Goff, Beatrice Adad maya Bianca Andreescu, Carlene Garcia, Camila Georgia, all of those in her quarter. Like, that's just brutal. I, she didn't, I mean, she was not done any favour. So I love Maddie Keys. She was a 2018 U.S. Open finalist, lost to Sloan Stevens. That seems like it was 20 years ago. Yep. Um, so she's definitely got the chops. But you're asking a lot for her to get through all of that gauntlet.
0: So Samsonova's the, the value play. Liodmila, is that how you pronounce it?
1: Liodmila, Samsonova. I think if you're playing one right now, like, but here's my thing. I love my Shinwen Zhang ticket to win it all. I wouldn't hate you if you bet Wen Zheng to win the quarter either, and I know that's the quarter with Iga, but Wen Zheng really pushed Iga on clay. Nobody pushes Iga on clay. She did that. I think she might have she might have developed just enough confidence for this to be her true global breakout. And so, again, the the, the other issue here, though, people have to understand on the lady side, like these predictions could be wildly great, or some of these people could lose in the first round. Like Zheng has to play Ostapenko. The 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 thin margin on the lady side is such now that that's kind of the deal. You can get bounced early, like Muguruza and Towson. Like Muguruza should be very uh, you know wary of that match. And you know you could you could get bounced in the first round. You could go very deep. That's how uh, that's how much of a sort of even playing field this is on hard courts right now. And I, we haven't been able to say that for a few slams. This one is really level.
0: Now the math of it, and this, this could be the last one before we get you out of here because I know you've had a a busy and eventful day. But the, the last one here, if you like a long shot, are you better off just taking the ticket right before the tournament starts, or are you just better going with the money line rollover? What's usually the better bang for your buck?
1: I think it depends, right? You have to sort of do the, you have to sort of do a little bit in your head, like, okay, well, if she wins this, what's her line going to be in the next one? What's her line going to be in the next one? Um, so. There is some there is some calculations to be made there. Typically, you know, let's take Medvedev as an example, right? One would one would usually think to yourself, okay, well, Medvedev here, he's two to one to win the whole thing. We were talking on, on my podcast. It was like he's probably he's probably that to win the quarter. So like Medvedev to win the whole thing is a terrible bet to me, right? Like that the way that the quarter ended up is such. That it's competitive competitive enough, where you probably stay away from any thoughts of him as a full uh, turn of bet. But the problem is, on his side, he's also going to be prohibitive favorite and in many of the matches. Though not as the quarter moves on, like if he has to take on Curios, if he has to take on Curios uh, especially, but FAA a little later on, and then when it gets past that, like he's got he's got some matches where. It's not going to be nearly as steeply priced. Like if he's up against a Rood or a Berrettini or a Sitsipas, like it's he's, he's not going to be a huge favorite. So it really depends on the player. It depends on the number, and you do have to do some calculations in your head. I don't think you can make a sweeping answer to it.
0: Gil, you're the best man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for doing this. It feels silly for, for you to promote your podcast on my stupid podcast, but let everyone know where they can find you. <laughs> my stu- my my podcast is stupid too. Will um it's beating the book is the name of the podcast
1: um we do a whole bunch of we do every tennis slam uh, and some other tennis tournaments we do podcasts on but really the bread and butter of it is and we do some q uh, quarterly stuff in baseball the bread and butter of it, of it is during football season um where we do two podcasts a week the uh guessing lines podcast with chrissy andrews every monday during football season and then on thursday the megapod where we go through all of our best bets each and every week of the nfl season So it's a beating. Football
0: season starts soon, too. I don't know if you realize that.
1: I am told that there is some college football this weekend.
0: Yes. Tackle football. And I think right around two weeks from tonight, Bills and Rams, and then we're off. Forward passes
1: and tackle football. Love
0: it. Gil, you're the best. We'll catch up again soon. Appreciate you coming on. You've earned a second visit. You've earned an invite back. This was so good (laughs) you're going to come on again. So thank you.
1: Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.
0: All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Gil Alexander. We will be back Monday. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the college football, which, look, I mean, you get five or six games, and none of them are great, but it's college football. It's on TV. You can bet it. Go to betrivers.com. Download the BetRivers app. See what they have to offer in terms of the college football. See you Monday. Thank you for listening. This is the New York City cast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook.